Yo, yo, what is going on? This is your humble correspondent, John Ross Marcus Cox. Coming back at you with the Way Too Much JMC podcast. Hope everybody had a great weekend. I, I, I personally spent a few days down in, down in my old uh, my old hometown, down in southeast Kentucky in the mountains. Just needed some time away from politics and uh, real life. I needed to get down in, in there and do some do some hiking in the woods and get the kids out there and uh, get, a little, get a little refreshed. So I had a few days off the... You know, off the radar, you know, offline, whatever you want, whatever you want to say, and uh, it was much, much needed. So, um, so yeah, so uh, hope said hope everybody had a great had a great weekend. Has had a great week. So everybody knows you can find me, you know, online as far as video goes on either on the Way Too Much YouTube channel or the Way Too Much RMC Rumble channel. Find me audio the audio version on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Amazon. All that good stuff. Just type in way too much RMC and you'll, and you'll find me. So yeah, so let's just uh, quickly get into this today. What are we going to talk about? Well, everyone knows that I spoke with. My plan this whole this last three months has been to really dive into the Kentucky General Assembly with you guys and tell you what was happening behind the scenes and all that stuff, kind of day to day, more along the lines of what, what how things were last year on what I was doing, but. It's got so entrenched and it got so busy down there that I was unable to do it. So now I'm unfortunately having to go back and try to organize it in my mind and really, you know, give. It's it's just so important to me to give to give you all a look behind the curtain on what was what was going on. And I, and I think the the best place to start here um, is on what happened that that final night of session. If I'm sure many of y'all have saw that several members of our state house were removed from were removed from their from committees and so those members just so you, you'll see here up from on my twitter um we had representative josh calloway removed from agriculture removed from education we had mark hart removed from agriculture we had felicia rayborn removed from agriculture and families and children had stephen doan removed from education and judiciary I'm sorry, Felicia Rayborn was also removed from health services. Then we had Nancy Tate removed from families and children, and we had Kimberly Moser removed from licensing occupations and administrative regulations. So this is going to be where I'm going to start talking about what exactly you know went down this this past session. Obviously, we all know what bills passed and all that stuff, and we got enough pundits that are you know diving into the bills and explaining the details of of those and everything. And I, I may do that somewhat, but my bigger my bigger uh, purpose as far as this show goes, is really giving you all a look and giving you some information that no one else has. And so I want to talk a little bit about these committee removals. And for those of y'all that read the title of the show, you'll see that it was um, it was enemies, both foreign, but mostly domestic. And what I, what I mean by that is, as far as the Republican Party, the conservative movement, you know, the social conservative movement, which I would... You know, classify myself as a, as a social conservative. Um, you know, probably honestly, what would have been a Kentucky Democrat twenty years ago. Um, but this this situation, there's tons of nuance around it, but it really is a quintessential example of when I'm talking about there being a huge divide in the Republican Party and trying to decide the path forward. This is. 
a snapshot of it. And so, the one thing here is to, to remember is, just because you're a Republican doesn't mean you believe the same thing. There's obviously 100 million, 85 million of Republicans across across the country. And it's there's really a divide that goes like this. You have one wing of the party that I'll you know I can you know we'll call them some of some people call them rhinos some people call them you know chamber of commerce Republicans some people call them country club Republicans some people call them just like establishment and I'll go with establishment because I'm not trying to use total slang or, or total uh, ne- negatively connotated connotated words but we'll call them establishment you know Republicans so people that really see the Republican Party as the party of low taxes of waging war across the world, um, trying to instill democratic governments, you know, people that want to continue sending tens of billions of dollars of aid overseas to Ukraine, people that see the social conservative wing, honestly, as, as a pest, you know, as, as pest in the, in, the, in the party. Then you have the the other side, we'll call, and we'll, and this is kind of simplistic, there are other factions, obviously, Um you know, the party, the other side of the party that, you know, is all about, you know, low taxes, but is mostly either constitutionally conservative and just wants to, things to govern based on the, the state constitution and the U.S. constitution. And that are also socially and, you know, Christian conservative, tra- you know, have traditional values, not necessarily Christian, but it's, have traditional values. You know, believe in the nuclear family and want to help out the, the little guy. And, you know, honestly, it's a big part of the, party that again 20 years ago would have been Kentucky Democrats that were that are largely in unions that work at Ford that work at uh in the coal mines that work in uh you know manufacturing truck drivers things like you know the 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 Jimmy Hoffa Democrats I guess we'll kind of say is is a is a part of that um but really just the a group of individuals that have been that have been so disenfranchised by the Democratic Party and also by the uh, establishment Republicans that they're trying to find a home and the future, only the future will tell, you know, how this all, how this all plays out. And so I'm going to play, I'm going to play a little clip here from you from Kentucky Education Television, KET. It was a legislative recap. Um, and they discussed about, Renee Shaw asked a question of House leadership, Su- Suzanne Miles, regarding that last night. And let's just, I just think it's telling what she says, and let's just let's listen to this real quick. Here we go.
Okay, so there you have it. Wasn't direct retaliation, but it was retaliation. You know, she's saying that it came from it came from members of the house. I will uh, argue that those were certainly in the minority, and if there were calls for this one to the to these members from members of the house, I could almost guarantee you that I could pick out the five or six that it was. You know, to be honest with you, um, but let's just go into here. This is a tweet from Austin from Austin Horn. He's a political uh, correspondent here in the state. Felicia Rayborn said that leadership is retaliating against us. Is it is it retaliating against her because she appealed Osborne's ruling against an amendment from Representative Callaway, who tried to add a bunch of parental rights stuff to SB five earlier? Rayborn says she wants leadership out of here. It's retaliation. A supermajority means nothing in this body because it's all about power, and it will continue to be that way until we get members of the of leadership out of here. The cost said not sure if it's related, but it is weird to me that Representative Nancy Tate, last year's primary sponsor on the omnibus abortion bill, got removed from families and children. So that, that there's what you have it as far as what Felicia, you know, where she thought this was this was coming from. Okay, now I'm gonna go up here. We also had you got this tweeted out from let me find Thomas Massey's response here. Give me one second, I'll find it. So Thomas Massey goes on to say, on the last day of session in the Kentucky legislature, GOP leaders booted outspoken Republican representatives from their committees for thinking, speaking, and acting independently. He says Republican leadership kicked out outspoken individuals off their committees in Kentucky House on the last day of session instead of passing bills. Punishing, punishing dissension is short-sighted and doing so in the last hours of the session is an air of pettiness that voters detest. I witnessed this insular exercise of power in the U.S. House. It cost Eric Cantor his primary election and John Boehner his speakership. For the good of our Commonwealth, I sincerely offer this advice. Instead of demanding compliance and loyalty from conservatives like Felicia, Steve Doan, Josh Calloway, and Mark Hart. I, I, I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't even, I didn't even mention that Mark Hart got removed, really, I don't think. Who think independently while most faithfully representing our shared values and their constituents. Hear their concerns and solutions for Kentucky. So that's what Thomas Massey had to say, and then we're going to listen. To, we're going to listen to this here in a second. As far as this is, but Steve Doan says, this is what leadership looks like. If you had any questions why Representative Calloway was removed from his committees, here it is, and it's going to be a two-minute clip. We'll watch here in just a second. But here's where here's where I want to go with this right now. So, you know, what all this is, what all this is, what it, all this was was centered around. Or bills SB 150, HB 470, and SB 5. So SB 150 and SB 5 are the two we'll call them parent, you know, parents' rights bills that didn't end up passing. Here's what I, but here, here, in regards to those, here's what I want to say specifically on those without without Representative Josh Calloway's staunch. And um, 
his like staunch, won't, won't say criticism or pushback, just like his dedication to getting to the strongest bill possible. If you want to know what that would mean in his, in his mind, without me putting words in his mouth, just go read HB 173. That was his this session, or Lindsey Titchener's SB 102. But without him standing up on that March on March 15th and giving his speeches that ended up leading to a standing ovation from the majority of his caucus on the on the House floor. I want everyone to know that it is 100% certain that SB 150 would have been nowhere near as strong as it is and it's not it's still not strong enough and it's not what we could have gotten but without but without him standing up and doing what he did it would none none of it would have happened. I want everyone to know on at midnight on March 15th Kentucky had passed nothing regarding parental rights in schools as far as protecting kids from just gender trans, gender gender surgery and treatments and all that like any kind of educational reform i mean they had passed zero none so i want everybody to know that i mean that that that's a it's a hundred percent i mean this stuff would have they were going to pass as little as humanly possible okay but here i want to listen i'm gonna listen to this clip now from steve Doan. it's a couple minutes so bear with me here but i, I do think it's important so steve Doan says this is what this is what leadership looks like. If you had any questions why Representative Kelly was removed from his committees, here it is. And this was on the Senate floor regarding SB5. I'm sorry, on the House floor regarding SB5. Here we go. Okay, so I, I hope you I hope you hear that. I'm not sure that you could. So if you couldn't, I apologize. I may have had uh, I may have not had the settings correct on here to where, to where you could hear it. I'm gonna 
try one more time to, and make sure that make sure that you could that you could hear it. Now, let's try it this time. Mr. Speaker, I have two grandbabies. And I have two young grandbabies on the way. And I will tell you that I have taken losses on a lot of things up here. I'll take a loss on a gambling bill, even though everybody in this house knows I'm adamantly against it. I'll take a loss on a, a, a liquor bill that, in, that grows liquor in the state of Kentucky, and everybody in here knows that I am adamantly against it. But I refuse, I refuse to take a loss when it comes to our kids. I refuse. All right, so I'll keep it short. I'll keep that short since I... I can't stand idly by. Some, I may have uh, played it twice for, for you guys. So, but I apologize to thank you for appreciate you bearing with me here. So, what what Josh is getting at there is this. Yes, we got some stuff passed in the Kentucky legislature, and it's in and it's some good stuff. It really, I mean, it really, it really is. There are some problems in it, and I think there's some constitutionality issues and all that. But like, we did move the ball. All right, but what he, you know, but what he's talking about is there's this fight in the party. This is, are we going to be the party moving forward? It's going to be the party of big business and big liquor and big gambling and all this stuff. Are we the party that's going to be focused on protecting children, promoting the nuclear family, promoting our, our educational system, school choice, cleaning up our public education system? You know, which 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 way are we going? And so, the bill that he's talking on that's this is Senate Bill Five. Okay, and I'm gonna walk through. I'm gonna end up walking through each of these, each of these uh, people and why they got removed from the things they did. And so, Josh Callaway filed several amendments to SB Five. Okay, first one would have gotten would have put a drag a you know a sexual or a adult sexual performance. Amendment on on SB five. One of them would have done nothing more than strengthen the current obscenity language that was that was Senate Bill five that would have that's supposed to help get some of this trash out of school libraries and out of schools. And you know, for those that don't know, HB one seventy three, SB one hundred two, both addressed this issue in a much more detailed format. But for some reason. We just couldn't get anybody to latch on to the more detailed version, even though we had specifically went to constitutional attorneys, people that were that were in this arena fighting and you know litigating these issues, and were saying, "What what do you need the playbook to look like for you to win here?" Okay, like we like even with us doing that, we could not we could not get them to even entertain. Adding the the additions that we were that we were suggesting, and I just we just don't know we just don't know why. I mean, some of the things were as simple as saying that schools have to go in and preemptively make sure they're abiding by the new law and remove anything out of the libraries that would be in violation of it. I mean, why wouldn't we want that to why wouldn't we want that to occur? Okay, and then one of the amendments was actually to 
revise SB5 to make it a, basically HB173. So it would have, you know, the medical mandates you know, where they couldn't force kids to mask anymore or to, or to get the COVID vaccine. Um, it would it would have drastically increased curriculum transparency, added in some fa- some safety measures. Uh, you know, just got got the political indoctrination out of out of schools. It would have done away with all the blanket, the blanket um, parental sign offs on the whole swath of mental health services in schools. I mean, like you all do not understand. Some of you may, but a lot of you don't understand what's going on in our school system in the name of mental health. Okay, but it also already included SB five in it. HB one seventy three did so. We weren't even trying to like mess with. I mean, it was going to it was going to get you know get done. So that you know, one of the amendments would have done that. Now all these amendments failed. A lot of that was because leadership was telling the caucus that if they pushed any more, it was going that nothing was going to get done, which was just a blatant lie or just a miscalculation. This President Stivers who was championing this bill, was literally on Fox and Friends at 5 in the morning that morning talking about this bill. So this bill number, like if they would have passed it, worst case scenario, it goes back over to the Senate and they they strike it down to where it's nothing but what they wanted passed in the first place from the Senate. Okay, it's called concurrence. But there's no way this bill number, this bill just dies. Okay, but you know, they weren't, they wouldn't, they weren't paying attention. Okay, but... The reason they're getting all this pushback against these guys is because Representative Callaway literally followed every rule possible to make sure that everything he was doing in regards to this bill was up to snuff. Okay, first of all, I had been communicating with the Speaker since December 20th, first meeting I had with him. I had been providing updates to him and... uh, Max Wise, that was you know, the SB 150 sponsor, they ended up passing uh, all all throughout as things were changing and the amendments were, were changing. You know, Representative Callaway, I know, had met with leadership teams on both sides. I had been in conversations with other people on membership in the house in the house side. We had met we'd met with all the members. We provided the amendments. You know, like you name it, we had done it. I mean, transparency is the name of the game as far as I'm concerned. Like when you're a citizen activist trying to do stuff under the radar and backhanded it's just short-sighted it takes one bad move one one move of them saying you that you have no integrity and you are out so i try to operate with the utmost integrity and uh the show is named way too much john ross mars cox for a reason because i try to go over the top in everything i do parenting coaching being a husband being a friend what if, you know, if I'm like, if I'm doing a puzzle, by God, I'm doing that puzzle. That's my, that's my wife right now about it. I got, we got a thousand piece puzzle upstairs and she's like, you got to do some work. You can't be doing puzzle all day. But I try to be way too much. So like no one can, no one can argue and say that they, they hadn't been provided the information and they didn't know what was going on. Okay. And so what happened was, and we're going to talk about r- the rules and everything later on, but you know, Josh Callaway had called these amendments. They were in order, meaning that, meaning that they were there was no suspension rules going to occur or anything like that. We had looked into them and printed off things from the Mason's manual so that he knew they were in order and knew that. I mean, we had even gotten bills withdrawn so they wouldn't be what's considered piggybacks, all this stuff. I mean, 
when I say that the pre-work had been done, I mean, it's that's an understatement. Okay, but whenever he called this amendment, the floor, the floor leader, his name's Stephen Rudy, challenged the germanity, I think that's how you say it, the germane nature of the bill. And because in Kentucky, every bill can only pertain to one thing. So you'll see these titles that say like an act relating to education or an act relating to public protection or an act it's like it's something that like it's constitutionally required, but it doesn't say that you can't get uh you can't get cute with it. And I'll give you some examples of other bills to look up. But in this situation, it was, you know, SB5 was an act, was already an act relating to education, okay, which was almost positive. That was the, that was the title of HB173 and SB102. If it wasn't, it was an act relating to parental rights in education. But, like, everything in the amendments pertained only to education, that was the big difference between HB 173 and 177 was one of them dealt with parental rights kind of from the educational system out into larger topics. Ours was always focused on education. So total, it was, it was totally germane. Everything inside of it was education. Well, Stephen Rudy challenged it. David Osborne says that it is not germane. Okay. Because it includes mandates and all, you know, the, you know, yada, yada, all this other stuff. And, and Basically, that's normally it. And so I think leadership had decided they were going to let the floor speeches occur, but they were not going to let things get to a vote. They just weren't. What they what they failed to take into account was that the rules of the floor that they that they just expect everyone to not read and not know allows for a way for someone on the floor to challenge that ruling. Well, that's what Felicia Rayborn did. So he ruled it not germane, and you literally get split seconds, okay? Well, in that split second, Felicia jumped up and said, you know, I, I want to challenge that ruling. That's that's wrong. And supposedly this thing, this hadn't happened in 80 years or whatever. Well, that's not a testament saying that Felicia is, a, is the worst person in 80 years. It means that she's the, they've just been dominating from a leadership standpoint, for that long, it either means they were doing things the right way, or they were silencing people effectively, and and no one was ever calling out them on 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 their nonsense. So Felicia challenges that. They go to the back. I need to I need to re-listen to this little second because I could have swore that the way it was stated was that basically he had re Osborne had reconsidered his ruling. And then it was germane, but basically the House had to vote on whether to accept his correction. Okay, so in order to vote yes, you wanted to accept it, you had to vote no. In order to vote no, you don't you in order to vote no, you don't want to accept it, you want it to stand, you had to vote yes. Okay, well at that point there were sixteen let me find it. There were 16 people that voted to overturn his ruling. Okay, now this, again, this is one way that leadership gets one over on you because, again, it's, it is hard to get a majority of people to go against leadership because, they, you know, they are, it is worrisome. You probably are going to be ostracized. I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find that 
that page that I printed off where, okay, is this it? Yep, here we go. So, 16 names voted to to overturn his ruling. In that in that list, you got Josh Calloway, you got Steve Doan, you got Mark Hart, you got Felicia Rayborn, you got Nancy Tate. Now, there were others, there were 16, so obviously not all of them were uh, saw, saw retribution. The key is on all these other ones, there's a there's extra quicker extra ex, there's extra circumstances to go into this. You know, Josh Calloway's the vice chair. Steve Dones a freshman, and he had and he had actually made a motion earlier in this earlier in the session to table uh what's called gray machines bill that basically was just going to give Churchill Downs more power. They ended up passing. He got, he successfully tabled that bill and got him to wait another day to, to vote on it. Mark Hart was a was a, was a chair of a committee. Felicia Rayborn did the car committed the cardinal sin of not of doing something that hadn't been done in eighty years, even though she was it was she was true it was true, and it was valid. And then Nancy Tate voted you know, voted against here, but she's also you know very well known in the in the caucus, and I think a chair of a of, or vice chair of a caucus or something. So it's clear that they anyone who they felt should have known better or that had pissed them off in regarding a bill that they didn't want anything, you know, anything to happen on, they sought, you know, retribution there. So, what's all that mean? It means this. Enemies, some foreign, mostly domestic, we are at a we are in a battle for the Republican Party. The social the social conservative wing of the party. And it is it is imperative that we understand what's happening and that we have that we have each other's back and that we just we, we hold no punches. And so that's where I'm that's where I'm coming here, I'm not holding any punches anymore. My brain and my phone and my email has so much information in it, and I've I've tried to withhold, you know, being as forthright with that as I as I've wanted to be, in hopes of you know long term sustainability in Frankfurt and being able to make a difference. And I'm still going to try to do that as and as as effectively as I possibly can. But here's the deal: like what I've been doing, I've been saying all along, it only works if y'all are engaged in it. And so it's not fair. It's not like right. It's not just. It's not more moral, moral or ethical for me to hold all that in and not tell people what's, you know, what what's what's happening. And so, I've, I want to I want to segue into it. You know, I was on a run yesterday, and I kind of had a couple of a uh, couple of thoughts here of things that I wanted to discuss. And I want to make it clear, the establishment wing of the party, of the Republican Party, if you are a social conservative, a liberty-oriented person, they despise you, and they they are disgusted with you, and they think, they think that, that your issues are petty. They think they know better. 
they uh, it's that's the paternalistic wing of the party. They they think that we are children. They know what's better. We need to sit down and shut up, shut up and bide our time. It's the old it's the old boys club, the gentlemen's club. All right, they're in the country club smoking their cigars, playing seven, seven playing seven card stud while you're working third shift, just trying to put beans and rice on the table. I mean, that's that's where that's where we're at. Okay, and they they don't like all these people that are getting elected, how they're getting elected. But the issue is the the system is set up in a way to where you, we all think it's democratic and everyone has the same voice, but it, we, that's not the way it works. Okay. They use rules and procedure and the term leadership. They use it against against us. They use it against the, the elected people, but they basically are using it against us. I mean, that's who, we're who they're representing. And the way you think stuff works in our state's capital and in our nation's capital, it isn't. It isn't the way it works. It's not one of these deals where you go down there and if it, if you get if you got the votes, it's, you're getting it right. No. It doesn't matter how much lobbying you do for your for your own legislation. It doesn't matter if you're a, if you're a chair of a committee. It doesn't matter if you got 80 votes as opposed to 30 votes. If the five people in your cock in your chamber's leadership doesn't want to talk about an issue, it won't get talked about. Perfect example. Go look at the education committee in Kentucky this year. It is jam packed, jam packed and stacked, locked and loaded with social conservative reps. Two of the members. We're the primary sponsors on HB one seventy seven and HB one seventy three. The, the definitely two of the most socially conservative bills in I would say the United States this year. And neither one of those bills even got heard in that committee. They didn't even get a committee hearing. They didn't even get discussed. One of the one of the sponsors was the vice chair of the education committee. And his bill had almost 51 co-sponsors. I mean, hell, obviously I wanted HB 173 to get heard, but if 177 would have been would have gotten heard and 173 wouldn't have, I would have understood it because it had so many more co-sponsors. But it's not how it works. Leadership, basically, listen, we're actually right now wasting our time even writing legislation because... Leadership basically looks at their caucus members as idea people. You bring them an idea, and then the second that they that they get to it and they think it's important, they'll spend a couple, they'll spend a day, maybe two on it, write it up how they want to write it up, and you'll you'll take it or you won't. They're going to do they're, that's, that's how they're going to do it. It doesn't matter how much how much research you put into it, how much of your own work, how much of your own expertise, how many interim hearings it got. Uh, it none of that matters. Unless until they say until they think it's an issue, they're not going to talk about it. And even then, they're going to they're going to write it, and you're, it's going to get through the way they want it to get through. 
with the lazy language that, that stuff tends to get through with. And so, like, even this session, is, we got some good stuff through. Josh Callaway was clear on this in one of his speeches. I just want everyone to know, if you knew what was possible and what we had the votes to, to pass, you'd be, you'd be disgusted by it. We, we actually had a chamber, the House of Representatives in, in, in Kentucky, and I'll be honest, I think most, most of the Senate, because here's another thing I'm going to tell you right now. HB 173, those amendments, had they been allowed to get called to the floor, the, my whip card, I'd send it to the speaker. I'd send it to the majority whip. I'd send it to all the education members. I'd send it to the education chair. We, everybody knew we had the votes in the House for HB 173. Okay, we jumped on the bandwagon super early with SB 150 because it, it, it got passed out so quickly. And it became apparent to me very early on that this was going to be the vehicle that was going to be used because, again, leadership picks and chooses the winners and losers. They had picked SB 150. They picked they picked Max Wise, and I, we saw it super early that it was what they were going to do. They they didn't take into account the fact that I was that homeboy right here was going to go hard in the paint the whole session trying to make it stronger. They they didn't take into account that we could rally the troops as far as the House goes, and really, and really on the, as far as the Senate goes, and get widespread agreement on, on things. I mean, I was basically laughed at in December whenever I said I was going to get people to, you know, to agree to this stuff, and then, by God, we did. Okay, and they, the one thing they definitely didn't count on was us being able to get Max Wise in, on board and in the loop. And again, like, I... I don't know him. I didn't know him personally before this session. I I probably would have been one of the people that said he was straight up establishment, you know, and this was all political, and maybe it all was. But like, all I can do is op is like treat people and operate under the premise that as long as they're treating me well and doing what they say they're going to do, then I gotta, you know, I gotta believe them. And Max was playing ball. And so in order, in order to keep extremely strong, socially conservative, constitutional, thorough, well-thought-out, real-deal language to get through from a parental rights standpoint. And so they're already saying we have the strongest, we have the strongest anti-LGBTQ bill in the, in the, in the country. Y'all you have no idea how strong it could have been and how many of those pitfalls and those the, the negatives that certain people are saying that these bills have, how many of those had already been thought out on how to, how to uh, deal with the blind spots and the, po and the possible holes in, in the legislation. I mean, I'm, I mean, there's just no way of explaining all that. But it's their way or the highway. It's leadership. It's their way or the highway. Okay, so when it comes to committee selection, those five people, Jason Nemus in the house, Jason Nemus, Susan Miles, David Mead, Stephen Rudy, David Osborne in the house, 
not only do they do they decide who's on committees, they decide the chairs of the committees, vice chairs of, the, of these committees. But don't think it's because they have chairs and vice chairs that those people decide what comes into their committees. They don't have a damn one damn say in it. They get whatever leadership agrees to let come into their committees. So virtually, you're a, they're paper pushers. They're middle management. They're the people that the co big corporations put on the front lines to give all the directives to the employees that, and give those employees a face to hate and a face to complain about whenever they really have no say in the matter. Okay, go back and watch the committee hearings. Very, very suddenly, like, they know if a bill is coming out, getting out of committee, or if it's not. And go look and see how many times you see, well, this bill, is, it, should, it needs to be stronger, it needs to be better, you know, we'll, we'll fix it on the floor. That's the exact opposite. I mean, there's no reason to have committees. If like, That's what committees are for. It's supposed to be a localized approach, specialized approach towards legislation so that it's a good bill by the time it gets to the floor. But they're not even allowed to put their own, have their input in on it. Then, even after it gets out of committee, it's supposed to go into, co into, into caucus meetings. And then, based on the number of votes it's got in caucus, it can get to the floor. Except here's the, here's the kicker on that. They decide what bills get discussed in caucus. So unless you're going to revolt right there and bring up a bill that they don't want to talk about, and then you'll know, face retribution. Then it's, you, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter anyway. It doesn't matter how many co-sponsors you got. Okay, so, I mean, they made sure one senator didn't get a vote in caucus. They made sure, uh, you know, and the House caucus stuff, it's all, like, that actually is all confidential. All right, like they're, so... You know, look, when I say I've got inside information, the one thing I can't, I mean, I don't have information as far as what's being discussed in, in caucus. But whenever I'm being told by everyone and 25 different people that 173 isn't getting discussed or 177 isn't getting discussed, well, if it ain't getting discussed at all in the building, it ain't getting discussed in caucus. But one thing I can, I can guarantee everybody, I got the receipts that shows that the people that matter have my whip card, who the yeses and no votes were, and they have a question in there, am I wrong on any of these? And I have not was not told I was wrong. And it's because I'm not. Because when I go to these people, I'm very clear, are you a yes vote or a no vote? Are you for it or against it? All right, then you'll, then you'll hear... Well, we can pass it, but the, the other chamber won't accept it. First of all, that ain't your that ain't your job to worry about the Senate or the Senate to worry about the House. You worry about your your people, right? Second is there's another reason why they didn't want these amendments going on SB five because we had the votes in the Senate to get it concurred with. Because when you pass. An amendment on a bill and it goes back over to the Senate, it goes straight to the floor. So there's no committee hearings. There's no uh, behind closed doors caucus debate, committee debate, you know, committee jostling and jockey behind the scenes with chairs and leadership and, and the member and the rank of five members not getting to discuss it. 
straight to the floor. Well, let me tell you something. If I if I have any value in that building, it's because I got a pulse on what's happening in there. I'm I'm not John Ross Mars Cox in that building. I'm the everyday Kentucky. I'm an I'm I'm an ideal. I represent an idea, a principle that like anybody off the street with a little want to and with the time to invest can get in there and, and, and shake things up. But I know for a, I know we had 16 for sure yes votes and there's no way we don't pick up three or four more. And it's, again, it's not, it's not saying the other ones were no's. It's just saying I hadn't gotten to them or hadn't gotten direct a direct yes from them. Some of them had even I'd gotten a yes through the grapevine, but I don't, I, as far as like figuring out who's voting for what, I don't, I don't factor that in unless it's a certainty. Okay, so leadership controls everything. So when Felicia Rayburn says that it's that that's the most important thing is that we gotta we gotta deal with leadership. I'm not going to disagree with her. And Felicia is a she's a straight up patriot. And if everybody knew the backstory behind that, on the friction me and her had on uh, philosophies and styles and all that, and for her to be the one to challenge that ruling, I mean, I almost cried that night. I was so thankful for her, and you know, thankful for Savannah and Steve Doan and Steve Rawlings and you know Chris Fugit, John Hodgson, all the people, all the vote, all the people that voted to overturn that ruling. We're so thankful for, for for all them, but when she's saying we, the leadership's got to get flipped, that that's really what she means, is that like people that are going to be true facilitators and le- and and true leaders got to get into those positions because right now it's just it it is just um, authoritarian and totalitarian people in there that are my way or the highway. It's establishment, both sides, you know, both sides. There's a couple on, on House leadership and Senate leadership that I, like, get along with and I have good relationships with. And for those guys, it's sitting personal. It's just that these punitive measures and the fact that we had to go so hard to get through Things that have wide-ranging consensus in the Republican Party here in Kentucky, like this, this lets us know that we need a new, a new breed, a new breed of people in there. Those leadership positions should facilitate and help build consensus and be more open to dis, to discussions and letting the letting the caucus members control what's going on. Again, every bill that's passed got passed with leadership approval and with the exact language that leadership wanted in there. And I'm going to leave you, probably going to leave you with this story. And I, I don't share a lot of these things you know, much. On the final day, I, was, I tried to work out, a, and I'd worked out a deal to where we were going to be able to get keys money. For homeschool kids, it was John Schickel's bill in the Senate that it had two readings and everything in the in the House. All all it needed was so it already passed the Senate thirty six zero was over in the House had two readings. It just needed a quick 
committee hearing to the floor was going to get homeschool kids keys money, homeschool kids access to extracurricular activities, not just sports. I'm talking chess club, debate team, theater, band, football, whatever, you name it. It was also going to deal with the vaccine mandate, the COVID-19 vaccine, potential vaccine mandate in, in schools. And we had agreement. We had acceptance. I mean, we had, we actually had subs that would have included all three of those things, then included only the keys money and the vaccine. And then also a committee said that would have only been the vaccine was going to wipe out everything else in the bill, but only, only do with the, the COVID vaccine for children. Primary sponsor was on board. I'd met with the committee chair. I'd met with the committee members. I'd met with the primary sponsor earlier that day. I'd met, I'd met with the speaker of the house. Okay. And like, eventually, the speaker says to me, so I, t- I talked to the committee chair and you know, that something's not matching up. And I was like, listen, here's the deal. Let's just, I'm just, I got to cut to the chase. If I'm a committee chair and, and the speaker of the house, again, that, op- that leadership tends to operate the way I've, expl- I've, I've ex- explained and discussed over the last hour. Under no circumstances if that, if that person came to me, would I say, Oh, I talked with this with this crazy looking dude, John Cox, that has no formal position down here, and he sent me a committee sub, and he's topped it all up and gotten it gotten it through LRC somehow, and um, we're, we're we're ready to go. No, I was like, you need to go to your committee chair and say, I've talked I've I've talked to John Cox. It's okay. What what's going on? Tell me what's going on. Again, I'm realistic about who I am, my role. But we had that ready to go. And we couldn't get it through. Regardless of the consensus. Because leadership from both sides had not preemptively decided they wanted to let it through. And hadn't done the homework to make sure they wanted the sponsors and all that stuff. All the high school drama, you know, gossipy stuff that it wasn't all kosher. And they were willing to give shickle the win and all, all this other stuff. And earlier that day, I didn't, I'm going to be honest, that night I, I didn't think that stuff was going to happen with the committee stuff. I, I, thought, I literally thought that it had, been a, it had been a positive thing and David Osborne and the House leadership and everybody had just saw that, you know, Josh, I mean, no one could have been more transparent and more thoughtful and more like preemptive and transparent on what he was going to say and how he was going to go about things and all that with leadership. So I thought it was just like a, you know, come to Jesus moment and everybody was okay. But once that happened, I immediately started thinking about something else that happened earlier in that day. And again, yes, it was said to me, but it was talking about you too. So Senate President Robert Stivers is walking up the second floor stairs. I'm sitting there. I got my headphones in. I'm leaning over the, the, the railing. And I don't know if he thinks, I don't know if he knows I knows, knew I could hear him or not. But, you know, I know how old people are. They they see headphones. They think you're, you must be jamming some music or listening to something or talking to someone or whatever. They can't, they can't fathom you just might have headphones in and nothing's going on. But I hear him start telling a story to the person he's walking with. And he says, you know, one day, one time I was walking up the top of these steps, this, like walking up this uh, the second floor, and I got to the top of these steps, and there was a dead cockroach at the top, the top of the steps. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, well, I'm waiting on the punchline. I mean, this must be a joke. He must be have a joke he's about to tell or a story he's going to tell or whatever. Wait one second, two seconds, five seconds. 
well, that was that was it. And so, as dumb as of an insult as that is, and I would expect that somebody from Manchester have you know have 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 a better uh, have a better insult than that. But the president of the Senate looks at me, looks at you, looks at the movement. We're cockroaches that won't go away. But honestly, it couldn't be a more fitting uh, description of what I represent, I think, than like probably the most unkillable insect on the planet. They've been, they've been here for tens of millions of years, predate the dinosaurs, all that. Like, I mean, if that's how you think of I me, mean, then I'll take it. I'll wear it with a badge of honor. Because I'm not, you know, we're not going away. This is, the, this is the new movement. We ain't playing games. We're playing for keeps. We've got good people in our legislature now that are not, that are that are also playing for keeps. All right, you got Mark Hart, nicest guy, the nicest guy probably in the state of Kentucky, getting taken off because of him voting for that for that measure. And earlier that day, he had sponsored the the or sat at the table with the primary sponsor of the medical marijuana bill. That I know that I know leadership has to know help help them get that bill through. Nancy Tate was the pro life caucus chair and was dealing was the one you know tasked with promoting Amendment Two on the last during the last election for the uh, pro life amendment. So she's obviously you know, got got a lot of pull in the in the caucus. But I think they were, they strategically picked those people because they're trying. They want Emily Callaway, Ryan Dotson, Chris Fugit, John Hodgson, uh, Jacob Justice, Savannah Maddox, Kenny Masseroni, Marianne Proctor, Steve Rawlings, Richard White to know this is what happens to you when you step when you step out of line. Well, I think they're very mistaken, and those aren't the only good, those aren't the only sixteen good, you know, good ones. There's plenty of we have the majority down there as traditional conservative, you know, socially conservative, Christian conservative, constitutional conservative reps. We are in the we are the majority down there now. But they're vastly mistaken if they think that we're going to be scared off because they put us in timeout. I ain't going away. I'm a cockroach. You can't kill me. I can survive a nuclear. I can survive a nuclear holocaust. There's plenty of others that I know wanted to vote there and I know challenged other things and made and filed other amendments, but the fact of the matter is this, things don't ha aren't they don't work the way that we all think they worked in our state capital or in our nation's capital. So it's time to dig in and really understand how things are working, how to be effective, how to move the needle, and how to move forward. And I hope I hope to be able to facilitate that. You know, someone here. So I hope this gave you a little bit of background on, on what had happened there. It was totally uncalled for, un, you know, unreasonable. But I think it happened for a reason. I think it happened for what will end up being a positive reason because it's it's utter, it's utterly, perfectly clear that it was retaliation, and that it was just trying to stomp out any any type of what they see as immature 
you know, dissent or whatever you, know, whatever you want to call it in the caucus. But we're here to stay. We ain't going anywhere. All right. Thanks a lot for listening to the Way Too Much Share MC podcast. And look forward to getting coming back to you here uh, the next couple of days. Have a good rest of your day.